We've had some exciting times just, uh, just recently uh, with people that are uh, coming to the Lord. Um, there's people both uh, here in Australia and people overseas, and it just means that there's going to be uh, more and more of the, uh, the, the testimony of, uh, of Jesus being around the world. And what's going to be preached along with that is that signs follow believers, and people are going to see that and they're going to have lots of reasons to believe the fact that God does everything well and Jesus does all sorts of good things for us, that just by itself is not actually enough to save us. There are some things in the Bible that, uh, of course, we have to do. Uh, we hear about uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit and about being baptised. But then there's a lot in the Scriptures that challenges, do we actually understand what we're now really supposed to do with our life? We know we're supposed to follow the Lord, we're supposed to preach the gospel. But there's quite a number of things that we, we'll have a look at today about attitude things that, uh, that come along and about treatment of other people and about having a healthy fear of God and thinking deeply about, oh, well, what would actually make us miss out on the kingdom of God? What sorts of things? Now, a lot of people sort of take a, uh, a view to do with following God. Well, you're going to go to heaven as long as you don't you know, kill anybody and as long as you don't keep stealing things, then you'll go to heaven. Now, the Bible actually does tell us of murderers and thieves and th you know, people who are going to indulge in that sort of lifestyle. They're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And so some people have got a, a notion of, oh, as long as I hold back, as long as I stop myself from doing wrong, I'll be all right. Now, you could lock yourself away in a, in a jail facility. You could lock yourself away at home and you could actually stop yourself from going out and actually doing wrong to anybody. Everybody would, would be able to do that perhaps. Does that mean that you would actually qualify with the attitudes that the Lord would want you to have? Can you turn with me please into Hebrews chapter 12? We just want to have a look today at a couple of principles and then just a couple of people who we believe they got it right. In Hebrews in chapter 12, just one verse. It says, follow peace with all men and holiness. And it says, without which no man shall see the Lord. Without which no one will see the Lord. You think, oh, hang on. It doesn't actually say anything in there about, well, if you don't kill somebody, then you'll be able to be with the Lord. If you don't steal, if you don't beat people up, if you don't do this, if you don't do that, if you don't swear, whatever. It doesn't actually say those things. It says to follow peace with all men and holiness. And I guess we want to have a little bit of a thought today about how would that manifest itself? Now, it's got to be a bit to do with people giving an active thought as to having a look at the world they're in and where they're able to make a contribution and actually seeing that they do that. I'm going to uh, just read out to some other verses along the same lines. Depart from evil. Now, people understand that one. Oh, don't do any evil. But the very, next, the very next little phrase, it says, and 
and do good. Just departing from evil doesn't cut the mustard, okay? Because it's sort of, it's a little bit like if when opportunity presents itself, you don't choose to do good, unfortunately that leaves you in the category of doing evil. Do you follow that? If you don't choose to do good when opportunity permits, then actually you've done a wrong thing. So depart from evil and do good. It says seek peace and pursue it. It's something that actually has to be chased. It's something that has to be worked towards. It's not a matter of, I'll, I'll, if I avoid this, therefore I will have peace. It's not that category at all. About seeking peace is actually finding a way of making peace. It's not about, oh, if I don't have war, therefore I've got peace. Seeking peace is, well, where there are wars, how do we, how do we mend that? How do we fix those things up? Jesus said that blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. He didn't say, you know, the, the big line that people have, uh, oh, yeah, I don't really sort of like to hurt people. I've never murdered anybody, so I guess I'm going to heaven. There's a different category when we're talking about the pure in heart. In 2 Corinthians, it talks about, it says, having these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. So that's through wrong actions and wrong attitudes. And it says, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, as far as that sort of phrase, perfecting holiness, we don't come up, the Bible doesn't actually give a bullet list and say, do this, 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 give a tick next to all of those, and if you've done that, you've perfected holiness, and well done to you. It doesn't actually operate that way. Perfecting holiness is saying that people actually have to work out with the Lord, and they've got to give deep thought to. We want to read in a while about somebody who did. We are told that no unclean person or covetous person or an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ or of God. But we're told that the wisdom that comes from above, that we're told to connect into, it says it is first, it's pure. It says, and it is peaceable and it is gentle and it's easy to be entreated and the way that we would recognise it in others and in ourselves, because it's full of mercy and good fruits. Good fruits, without hypocrisy. And we're told that the fruit of righteousness, and this is very much related to holiness as well, it says is sown in peace of them that make peace, which implies to us, of course, that there's something else that's being sown in them who don't make peace. Okay? Fruit. So we're talking about there's a fruit of righteousness. There's ways and things and displays that end up in a person's life is sown in peace of them that make peace. And as I said, we can work that out that if we're not making peace, something else must be being sown. We're told in this principle about following peace with all men and holiness, without which no man will see the Lord, we're told to see none of us that we would render evil for evil 
to any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves, so that would be people already in your circle, and to all men, and then finally we're told, and if it be possible, as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, that's been a challenge from the beginning of the world for people to actually get along peaceably with each other. I'd like you to go back to uh, Job chapter 31. I want to look at one person in the Old Testament and one person in the New Testament who thought deeply about what does it actually mean for me to be walking with the Lord and what, and what thing might bar me or, or, or negate me from an inheritance of the promises. So what we, what we do want to establish is, is pleasing the Lord is not just a passive thing of sit back and just, just make sure you don't do anything wrong. Just make sure you don't do anything wrong and then you've made it. It's obviously far more than that. When we see about Jesus Christ that came and he went about doing good, healing all those who are oppressed of the devil and he did all sorts of things in people's lives. He preached the gospel. He went about actively doing some things, even to his hurt. And sometimes that happens as well. The man Job, when we, when we read into well, what's in, in this book, he was a man who really thought deeply about his relationship with God and how that, that relationship should be manifest in his life. Now, he didn't have the Holy Spirit that people these days are able to speak about, but he had an understanding about God's judgment. And he feared it, or he respected it, and that caused him to, to moderate things in his life and his daily thought. When you read about Job, he was a sort of man, he, it's not that I, every once in a while, we had this sort of glimmer of a thought about uh, the Lord. It's implied in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the script that's here about he would have been thinking daily. It talks about where he, you know, would have, he, the, the way that you read it, it would have kept him awake at night, wondering about his own family and his own ways and, and about the people that are around about him and so on. And he thought about the things that could go wrong and he thought about the judgment of God. And there's a little line here. We're going to look at a couple of things in, in chapter 31, but we want to pick out a couple of things from here first. In Job chapter 31, and this man who thought about how will I qualify to be able to stand before God with a good and a clear conscience. And verse 14, what then shall I do when God rises up? He means when God rises to judge me, when is judgment time? What then could I do? What shall I do when God rises up? And when he visiteth, what shall I answer him? When he calls me to account for my life, what will I be able to give as a reply to him? Down in verse 23, he says, For destruction from God 
was a terror to me. I feared so much that I would miss out with the Lord. He actually feared. And of course, anybody who really fears they're going to miss out with the Lord, they give it deep thought. Destruction from God was a terror to me. It says, and by reason of his highness, I could not endure. Destruction from God was a terror to me. Now we read about this man, we find at the, uh, the beginning of the, uh, the book, and, and most people here know things about Job, about the trials that he gave, about where he, you know, he lost his possessions and he lost his family and all sorts of things you know, fell to him. He ended up uh, with, uh, with sickness and he ended up with his friends deciding, well, if something's gone wrong with you, mate, it must be your own fault. It must be decisions that you have made. In the very beginning part of the book of Job, we read about where God talks to Satan and says, look, if you considered Job, if you had a bit of a thought about him, that question actually comes, we get a little bit, very, very early, a little bit about the very character of Job and to do with his family. He had a, he had a, a, number, a number of children and he had plenty of servants. He had plenty of wealth. He had all sorts of things, but he had, as it were, a bit of a fixation on judgment and his salvation. Just a little bit, just to do with him and, and his attitudes on things. Way back, chapter 1, before we get the challenge that comes from, uh, from, uh, from Satan about, oh, I'm going to, you know, I want to go and do this and that sort of thing, and God saying, oh, uh, have you actually considered this, this guy? about how much he thinks about getting it right. It talks in there to do about his children, and there are a number of them, and the way that it reads, it talks about they actually had quite a number of parties. As like some people's families here, uh, they've got sort of uh, you know, their own family, they've got their cousins, and every second week there's a party that's on, or something or other like that. And it talks about that, and it talks about Job thinking about his family, and it says that when they had their days of feasting, that Job went through and he collected them and he gave them a reminder about the things of God. I know you're doing this and you're doing that. The way he describes it is he sanctified them. He brought back into their conversation, hang on, you're doing all of this, but you're also thinking about God and you're actually thinking about judgment. And he goes in and it tells us that he made burnt offerings, some sacrifices on their behalf. It says for, for each, every single one of them. It says, for Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. So he's looking at his family and all the things that they're getting involved in and he takes the opportunity to grab them and bring them back. Don't forget that God is there. Now, that means he actually th had to think about that all the time. He had his family, but we're going to find here, he didn't only think about his family, he actually thought about his servants and the other people in his community and the way he should treat them. And I, th I believe that it gives us a, uh, a, a, a bit of a, a thought about the way that we should treat people and about things that we should be active in. We're going to stay in chapter 31. How much did Job think about things? 
after all the things had happened to him. So he, he suffered grief, he really did. He suffered loss. So there was, there was family, there were goods, there was, there was everything there. Basically, he's brought as low as a person could be. And it reads like he'd imagined what it would be like to have that happen to him. Because we read in chapter 3, and we're not turning to it today, he said, the thing that I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I know that quite a number of people here as parents at different times in the middle of the night, lying on their beds, some sort of thought would have come to them to do with what if something happened and I lost my children? What if something happened? It might be people are going through things to do with their workplace as well or some other, you know, like their, their, their well-being sort of situation and sort of things are hanging a little bit in the balance and they're running scenarios through their head about what position would I be left in to do with my family and provision and shame and all sorts of things if that part of my life fell apart. And I know that people have done those things. They've actually had, for some people, fears to do with health. Fears to do with health. Either because somebody in their family is, is sick or there's a history of sickness in their family and they start to sort of run through their mind, what if I'm going to go the same way? And it keeps them awake night and they run it through and those horrible things that churn around in your skull all night long and you, I would like to just go to sleep. Job was one of those people that he said, that which I greatly feared has actually come upon me. These things have happened. Still in chapter 31. We just want to have a look at a couple of things here that were important to Job, just for us to do a little comparison with, to sort of think, again, it's not a matter of always about what we choose not to do that's going to make us well-pleasing to God. It's about the things that we choose to do. Now, we know the Scriptures already tell us that if we're not baptised and we're not filled with God's Spirit, well, we're none of His. We're told that straight out. That's, that's, that's as simple as can be. We've got to be born again. We've got to be born of water out of the Spirit. We've got to actually use his mechanism to transfer from death into life. We need to do that. But then part of that in God's big picture of things, he says, that's not enough. Don't do that and then lock yourself in a room because part of been giving you the Holy Spirit, is I change your heart and you become a different person. And now you're actually far more useful to the world than you've ever been before. So let's be useful now. And Job had these things on his mind. We're not going to pick everything out, but let's pick some of these things. It starts off in chapter 31, and this chapter is about Job thinking, I want to do things right by the, by the Lord. It's this chapter that talks about, I'm afraid of 
destruction from God. I'm afraid of missing out with him. First off, there's a little bit at the beginning of the chapter. Verse 1, I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a maid? A little bit through this chapter, Job considers, if I was ever involved or having ever thoughts to do with adultery, I've got my family, if I ever had thoughts about chasing another uh, a young lady or something or other like that, I would bar myself from any hope of, of an inheritance with God. It would be as simple as that. Now, we think, well, that's an obvious one, isn't it? That's obvious. Well, you don't go and do those things. <laughs> Down in verse, uh, and, and we're just going to jump through some of these things. I'll use from my notes here. In chapter 5, it says, If I've walked in vanity and my foot had hasted to deceit. If I got involved in vain glory, walked in vanity, oh, it's all about me. I'm the most important person in my life. I'm the focus of my life. He knew that he would not end up pleasing God. He said, as a result of that, if, if I made that all about me, in verse 6, let me be weighed in an even balance that God may know my integrity. He says, if my step had turned out of the way and my heart walked after mine eyes, if any blot, if any spot of guilted means had cleaved to mine hands, he goes on and says, I would actually only be deserving that for all my work somebody else should get the benefit of it and I should get nothing. If I do things, I'm going to have guilt as part of my life. We already said about the... Um, uh, um, uh, adultery and so on his understanding of that in verse 12 adultery is a heinous crime in verse 12 it says it's a fire that consumes to destruction and would root out all of mind increase that one part would actually destroy everything is what it means but then he goes he says what about the other people around about me if I did despise the cause of my manservant or my, main, my maidservant when they contended with me or they filed a complaint with me, if my attitude was, who cares, get lost. In Job's mind, it would be a matter of, I actually don't deserve the goodness of God. It would be equivalent to me, to me going to God and say, I need help. And he turns and says, who cares, get lost. It would be the same type of thing. It's then that he gives that question, well, what will I do when God rises up and when he visits? How would I answer him? How would I actually justify myself? Because he says, to do with his servant still, did not he that made the womb also make him? Isn't he actually as important as me? And did not one fashion us in the, uh, in the womb? In verse 16... If I withheld the poor from their desire, or I caused the eyes of the widow to fail, from the power position that I am in and the wealth that I've got and my well-being, and I turn around and I notice there are poor people, and I'm actually in a position to help them, or there's the widow, the circumstances have turned bad, and I actually made it so that her life wasn't made any better. And he goes on, or if I've eaten my morsel alone, He's really thinking about, I'm there eating, and I can see these people around about me. He says, and the fatherless have not eaten thereof. 
says, I didn't share with the orphans. If I didn't do those things, he basically counted himself as unworthy as well. He says, I've got to be aware of the people around about me and other people have got their needs and what I've got them able to share, I'm going to do that as well. We'll just jump down verse 19. If I'd seen any perish for want of clothing, the idea of somebody out there in the freezing cold or the poor without covering. He said, if his loins had not blessed me, if he were not warm with the fleece of my sheep. He says, if I failed to give when I was able to, oh, it wouldn't be good enough. Verse 21, if I had lifted up my hand against the fatherless, when I saw my... Uh, he said, when I saw my help in the gate, it's actually to do with, and we see it happen so many times, says, if I gained advantage in business or in the community at the expense of the weak or the orphaned, if I was so hard-hearted that I was willing to do business, they've got nothing a little example would be, they've got almost nothing. They've got, you know, they, they, they need, they need uh, you know, they're trying to sell something for $20 because that's actually going to provide their food for this week. I know their circumstance and I'm going to offer them five. I know they're about to fall apart. They are so desperate, they're desperate enough that I could take advantage of them. And Job thought deeply... How would I explain that to God if he asked me about it? I wouldn't be able to. So a couple of other things from this chapter. Verse 24, if I made gold my hope, if I was centred about those things. Verse 31, if I rejoiced because of my wealth and because uh, my own hand had gotten much, the power of my own hand. And verse 26, if I started to, to shift and I beheld the sun when it shined, it's talking about beholding that as an object of worship or the moon walking in brightness. And it says, if my heart had been enticed, uh, secretly enticed, it says, or my mouth had kissed my hand, it's implying, it's that I see the sun, I see the moon, and as it were, I sort of, how good is that? You know, as in a form of worship, Okay. When you read in the Amplified, that's the way. My hand threw a kiss from my mouth in respect to them. Okay? He says, if I'm going to start to sort of exalt them, that's a great disrespect to God. I ought not to do this. He says, this would be an iniquity that should be punished by the judge. Verse 29 is a big one. If I rejoiced at the destruction of him that hated me. That's a big one. You know, there's a big theme through the scriptures and particularly in the New Testament about forgiveness and about trying to get things right. In this world, it's not like that. If I rejoiced at the destruction of him that hated me, or lifted up myself, as it means with joy when evil found him, it wouldn't be good. In verse 30, it says, Neither have I suffered my mouth to sin by wishing a curse to his soul. 
Oh, we can be tempted along those lines, that's for sure. This person is an absolute rotter and, uh, you know, I, I hope something bad happens to them to go and do something like that. Job is saying, that wouldn't actually be good enough. It goes on elsewhere in here. It talks about if I concealed dishonesty and if I didn't open my, my doors to the traveller, somebody who was dealing with things, and also if he didn't actually acknowledge his own sin. We turn around, oh, it's everybody else's fault. It's not to do with me. I wouldn't make it. Now, there's a number of things through there, and there's others in the book of Job. This is a whole heap different level, isn't it, to I better just make sure I don't kill anybody and then I'll be all right with God. It's not a passive entrance into the kingdom of God, it's an active one. And we know that the Lord, he enables us very much to be able to live up to that. Can we go over to Acts chapter 10, please? You know, the first scripture that we read about uh, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. And goes on and says, and looking diligently, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, and lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. The examples that Job had there, if he was of different character, his whole community would end up of a different character. But he was a good example to them all. We know that we're told <clears throat> about the fruit of the Spirit in a person's life. The fruit of the Spirit is not, oh, now you won't kill anybody. Okay? The fruit of the Spirit is not, oh, now you won't go out and steal, or now you won't go out and commit adultery. We're still told, if you're involved in those things, then you're going to be in trouble with the Lord. But our salvation is not to do with what we stop ourselves from doing. It's to do with what we choose to do. And that's where in Galatians it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. We're talking about love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. It says, and those things are really, really good for every one of us. We're told that to have the fruit of the Spirit, first you need the Spirit. And so that's what we're going to get, encourage people today when we finish shortly here. Everybody's able to receive the Holy Spirit. When you receive the Holy Spirit, and you sometimes think, it's so hard to work out what I'm supposed to do. Well, the, we're told that the love of God is shared abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost. If you haven't got the Holy Ghost, you might have a nice personality, but it's not yet what God wants for you. We're told that we're taught by the Holy Spirit. We're told that we build faith by the Holy Spirit. We're told that we become part of the kingdom of God by the Holy Spirit. We enter in what we're able to call him our Father by the Holy Ghost. All those things for us. And the Lord is looking for people 
who have got the right headset to be involved in them. Let's just have a look here in uh, Acts chapter 10. So we had an Old Testament person, and now we've got a, a New Testament person who had the right attitudes. Back with Job, God held him up as an example before Satan. Let's just look in the New Testament and say, this is for you to compare, compare for yourselves. What sort of person am I? And if you fit these categories, well, this is the response God's going to give to you. In Acts chapter 10, verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. I always like the way that that says it, the Italian band, okay? It sounds like sort of, you know, Friday night entertainment. Oh, no, it's nothing like that at all. But it talks about this man. All by himself. Now, I believe he laid upon his bed and thought about what was right. He thought about his own conduct and he thought about his community because this is the accolade that he receives in the scriptures. He was a devout man and one that feared God with all his house. He taught his household. Whatever else they did and they went in, he brought them back and he would have moralised with them, he would have taught them. That wouldn't fit in with God, if need be. Or these things would fit in. A devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Prayed to God always. It says of him, he saw in a vision about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying to him, Cornelius, and when he looked upon him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Your prayers and your arms have come up for a memorial before God. Cornelius, your generosity, your care for other people, your mindfulness for other people, oh, I'm looking for that. Because I can do that in people, but you're, you're so concerned to do it right. I'll tell you what, verse 5, send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, his surname in Peter. He lodges with one Simon a tanner, his house is by the seaside. He'll tell you what you ought to do. Now, there may be some good people here today who actually are mindful of other people in their community, their family, and to try to bring them upright and do all sorts of good things. God looked at this man Cornelius and if you're comparable to him then the reason that you're here today is for the same reason that then Peter, sorry, God went and got Peter and said go and meet this guy Cornelius. There's some things I want you to tell him. <coughs> Let's just jump down to verse 20. Oh, so Peter went along then. And, uh, and, uh, and Cornelius knew that Peter was going to come. And he's going to hear things from God. And when Peter arrived there, Cornelius went down and fell down and started to worship Peter. And verse 26, and Peter took him up and says, Stand up, I myself also am a man. And as he talked with him, uh, uh, he went in and found many that would come together. This is what Cornelius was about. I want people to know about the Lord. And Peter said, you know it's actually unlawful for a man that's a Jew to keep company with one of another nation. 
He says, I know this is unusual that I'm here. He says, but God has showed me that I should uh, not call any man common or unclean. So Peter started to tell him the things that he knew. And down here, verse 33, he says, look, I got told to come, verse 33, immediately therefore I sent to thee, Cornelius says, you have well done that you are come. Now therefore we're all here, present before God, to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. It says, and then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that fears him and works righteousness is accepted with him. It says, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, and he is Lord of all. That word I say you know was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost with power who went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him and he said and we're witnesses of those things. We saw that that he did uh, in the land of the Jews in Jerusalem. It says and then they slew him they hanged him on a tree. But God raised him up on the third day and showed him openly, not to everybody, but to some witnesses chosen before of God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify as him, as to be ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. It says, to him give all the prophets witness. The Old Testament talks of him. We predicted that this, that this Jesus was going to come, that through his name, whosoever believes in him shall receive a remission of sins. And then to this man, Cornelius, that had all of these qualities. We didn't actually read some of them. The men that came to get to Peter said, Cornelius, he's a just man. He's a man that fears God. This is back in verse 22. He's of a good report of all the nation of the Jews. And he's seen, an, he's seen a vision. So Peter's talking to him, and this might be what you're ready for now. Verse 44, and while Peter yet spake these words, talking about Jesus, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. It says, and they of the circumcision, these are the Jews that came along with Peter, which believe were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptised, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptised in the name of the Lord. Do you know, folks, if we're going to follow peace, we're going to follow holiness. You know, the Apostle Paul, after all of his uh, terrible treatment of the people who turned to follow Jesus, after he was converted and he worked with the other people that are now preaching the gospel, the change was that he made a proclamation. It says, We've actually now wronged no man. Since that time, we've wronged no man. We've corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, it talks about that. It says, the change in heart that I received when I got the Holy Ghost, that's what God expects to see in the people that are going to serve him. 
So the way that the people came, it reminds us of Job, it reminds us of uh, Cornelius. We're told, let's just go to 2 Peter chapter 3. Just a, just a simple thing here for us today. <clears throat> the scriptures tell us about whatever our hand finds to do, do it with all our might. Because the basic idea is if we find opportunity to do good and we don't do it, well, that would actually be counted as sin for us. So we've got to do exactly what we're, we're able to do. So while we're waiting for the Lord, we're just told here in 2 Peter chapter 3, we'll just start reading in verse 10. It says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works thereon that are going to be burned up. Now, there's a judgment that's going to come on the earth. Seeing then that all these things are going to be dissolved, the question is what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Well, we should be like Job. We should be like Cornelius. We should be like Paul became. Above that, we should be trying to be like Jesus. That's what we should be trying to be like. And we have a look and see his ways with people and the salvation. Verse 12, looking for and hasting under the coming of the day of God, says the heavens will be on fire, will be dissolved. The elements will melt with fervent heat. says, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, we're looking for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. The basics night, the other night, the question, no, no, Friday night, the question come up about a new heaven and a new earth. Wherein dwelleth righteousness? And we're told, wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Just remembering... Let's follow peace with all men. The only real way to get that peace with all men is for people to come to the Lord. That's the only way that it works. It's not about, oh, you come into the assembly and then following peace is something that you do separately. You do it within and you do it without. But it says, but also holiness. Working it out, which I work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That was the message that we got from Job. Cornelius was already practicing it because the threat is, without us doing that, no man will see the Lord. We're supposed to be those people that are able to be disciplined, we're able to be corrected, we're able to be inspired, we're able to be healed in our hearts, we're able to be corrected in our minds. We should be those people with the Holy Ghost, with Jesus working with us, that there's no reason that we should miss out on seeing the Lord. Amen.